Doesn't it seem like we're living in the upside down world? I mean, doesn't it, doesn't it just seem like our world has gone absolutely mad? I, I don't have to pull far for examples of this. Last weekend, the Sutherland Springs shooting. It's like craziness. Shortly before that, the New York City truck attack. And in the midst of it all, we live in a world of such political upheaval that those with the influence to make positive change can't do anything. And in the midst of that is a world of collapsing morality where our values are literally just going AWOL. And because of that, we experience relational brokenness in almost every arena of our lives. I mean, it's just upside down. And you know, a common and logical reaction to living in a world that's so messed up is, is discouragement, really. You know, that sense of just despair. Like, like we're beyond hope. And I know that a lot of us feel that way. It's so easy to get there. It's natural. But it's important for us to understand a couple of things. It's important for us to understand that this kind of upside-down world, though we're experiencing unique expressions of it, is not new. It's been a part of the experience of humanity since the very beginning of time. In fact, it was true for those who wrote the Psalms, this, this collection of beautiful, artistic expressions of human reality and, and God reality. It's, it's there for them. They experienced it. But here's what they learned in their time. It wasn't the messed up world that was messing them up. It was putting the wrong things at the center of their lives that messed them up. And the same is true for us. It's true we live in a messed up world, but we don't have to be messed up by it. The problem comes when we have the wrong things at the center. Because what lies at the center of our lives becomes the primary reality of our lives. What's at the center of our lives determines our view of this world and the events of this world. It determines our, our deepest feelings, our attitudes, our character, our morality, our priorities, our sense of meaning. I mean, what's at the center of our lives is at the heart of the personal and internal battles that rage inside each and every one of us. It's the ultimate source of World War Me. And the good news of the psalm that we're looking at this weekend, Psalm 42, is that we can win the war when we put God at the center. When God's at the center, he becomes our primary reality, not the messed up dysfunctional world that we live in. But, but here's the problem that the psalms elucidate for us. We, we live in a messed up world. That is true. Always been true. But the problem is that we lived in a messed up world where we don't make God the center of our lives. And because of that, it leads to this, this place of despair, this, this place where we have a sense of hopelessness. But there's a truth that can absolutely change this. And I believe the, the person who penned Psalm 42 captured it. 
when God is at the center of our lives, when he is the center, no matter how discouraging or disturbing or horrific our world is, there is never a reason for despair. There's only a reason to hope. And in order to see it, I, I just think God's words need to be understood. You know, what, what the scripture says need to be understood. And so I, I'm going to walk through Psalm 42 and share a couple of ideas about it. And then in the end, I'm going to make the application of, okay, so we, we're messed up because we live without God at the center and in this world, and that leads to despair, the sense of hopelessness. That's what gives us so much darkness in our lives. But, but if we put God at the center of our lives, then no matter what's going on in this world and how crazy and upside down it is, we don't have a reason to despair. We don't have to be ruled by despair. We can be ruled by hope. And we're going to talk about how, how actually we can do that. How did the psalmist teach us to do that? Because it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to actually live it, right? So look at Psalm 42 with me, starting with verse 1. It says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so, so my soul pants for you, my God. I mean, I love that verse. It's one of the most beautiful metaphors in the Psalms. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. But be careful. Because it's easy to let the beauty of those words keep you from the deeper and life-impacting meaning of those words. You see, that the deer in this passage needs water to live, to survive. That's why it's panting for water, desperate for water. And, and the lesson of the metaphor is that so we need God to live, to survive in this world. Water essential to life, God essential to life. And so God has to be the, the center of our pursuits if we're going to know life in all of its fullness, you know, a life of meaning, a life of joy, a life of pleasure. He is essential. As well, the deer in this metaphor is not pictured in tranquility. It sounds like it, the beautiful words, oh, it's the deer pants for water, so my soul pants for, oh, isn't that great? And you have these pictures of these deer sitting around the, the water and sipping it up and, you know, little umbrellas in their glasses and isn't it gorgeous? And that's not what's going on here at all. In this metaphor, the, as beautiful as it might be in its expression, it's, this deer is weary and stressed and in desperate need. It's on the run and desperate for water. It's panting for water. It's got to find water. And this picture is for us. Because you see, we, we shouldn't make the mistake of thinking that for those of us that are pursuing God, he guarantees us all good times sitting around the water in tranquil, tranquil and comfortable settings. That's not life at all. We, we have to understand that life is going to be filled with difficult times, times when we're weary and stressed and hurting and broken and rejected and on the run. And when we face those times, it's vital for us to turn to and pursue God with singular focus like the deer does the water. What's the only thing the deer is focused on when it's panting for water? It's the water, the source for life. 
And this metaphor is saying that's how we need to be towards God. Like he's the only thing we need to meet our needs, to fulfill our desperation. For that to happen, he needs to be at the center of our lives because he's the one we desperately need. And I read that and I go, no wonder I have problems in this world. It's not because of all the problems. It's because... I'm not panting for the right things. I'm not passionate about the right things, are you? He goes on in verse 2, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And you need to know, back in the time of the Psalms, the temple where they would worship, kind of like our church, but the temple was the place where the Holy of Holies existed. It was this, this small room in the middle of this great big temple where they considered God's presence to be, the holy of holies to be. God's Shekinah glory was there and God promised that would be the picture of his presence. And, and so when they would go, they would experience his presence. In fact, the Western Wall, if you've ever seen the Western Wall in Jerusalem on, on the news or in person, they, they worship at that wall, the Jews do, because it's the, the closest place in the old temple to where the Holy of Holies once was. And so it's as close as they can get in their mind to the presence of God. And this psalmist is saying that, you know, I'm, I'm away from the temple. I'm, I'm trapped away from the temple. Life has, has gone against me and I can't get to the presence of God. And all I need is the presence of God. I need the presence of God. And what we need to understand is that that's how we need to be in life. We need to thirst for God at the center, at the core of our being. And sadly, because of our dysfunction and brokenness, we long for other things to be at the center of our lives. We long for and desire and pant for things that don't satisfy our thirst, that can't satisfy our thirst. It's kind of like these modern day drinks that we spend 84 bucks a can for that don't actually hydrate us, right? I mean, there are false replacements for water, which used to be free, but now it costs $72 a bottle. And then it's like, I mean, they're replacing the only true satisfier with that which doesn't satisfy. We replace God at the center of our lives with money and pleasure and success and power and dreams and things and other people because we're looking for what we need, but we're looking in the wrong place because only he can satisfy we should be longing for him more than anything else. We should want him at the center of our lives. And the psalmist goes on, verse 3, my tears. This is not a tranquil scene. This is not a happy scene. My tears have been my food. Day and night. All I'm doing is weeping in my life. And I tell you, doesn't that sound like our world just a little bit? Well, people say to me, you know, here he is weeping, and so people with the gift of encouragement come and they say all day long, where is your God? I mean, that's what we need, right? When everything's going south for people to come and slam our faith, where is your God? Where is your God? The psalmist is not in positive circumstances, just like the deer wasn't that was chasing for water. He was experiencing brokenness within and enemies without and I just I just can't think of a more relevant picture for our lives and our world 
Our messed up world tends to push us further and further away from God rather than drawing us closer, doesn't it? Even if you don't know God personally, you know this world isn't friendly towards the concept. This world tends to increase our doubts rather than alleviating them. It's like the psalmist. We live in a world that's constantly asking, actually, more often than not, accusing or, or snarking at us. Where is your God? Where is your God? If we're honest, in the wake of life's tragedies, we ask the question, where are you, God? It's being asked a lot, this question, where is God, in light of what just happened in Sutherland Springs, Texas, in that church a week ago. You know, these people were gathering, worshiping God, and singing songs, and faithful to God, and this tragedy came and ruined their lives, took their lives. I, I think it's important, and the psalmist gets to this, that we understand that where is your God or where are you, God, is the wrong question. It, it's the wrong question. Because you see, God was where he always is in Sutherland, Texas last weekend. Present. He didn't create us as human beings to be marionettes. We're not robots on strings programmed to manage this where he's responsible for every action of all of our choices. No, he made us in his image. And to be made in his image, we can't be bound as robots or automatons. Instead, we have to have been given the gift that only he has and can give, free will. And unfortunately, last weekend, an evil man exercised his free will to destroy all those precious lives and families. A crazy, insane man chose to do these crazy and upside-down things. And where was God? Present. He was greeting those who died in Jesus on that day. He was there to comfort those who were experiencing this unimaginable moment of fear. He was helping those who were using their free will to stop the madman from his rampage. And he is now present to comfort those who are alive and suffering today. This is a time to turn to him like the deer does to water. This is a time to make him the center of life. The deer, when afraid and disrupted and running, doesn't forget its need for water. And we can't forget our need for God to be at the center of our lives. He's the only one who can genuinely help and heal and satisfy. Unfortunately, the majority in our world, and maybe many of you, I don't know, are pushing him away in light of tragedies like this. This messed up world is causing you to push God further and further away because you're blaming him for what those who have choice are choosing to do. And 
the media is a perfect example of this, and it just, it angers me to no end. Because the media, many of them, are saying, prayers are useless. I don't know if you heard it this week. Stop sending your thoughts and prayers because your thoughts and prayers aren't accomplishing anything. Let's go ahead and enact my political view because that will then change the world. And they go through diatribes like your thoughts and prayers didn't stop this madman. Your thoughts and prayers do that. Like our prayers are supposed to make God our servant. Like our prayers are supposed to put him on our yo-yo. Like we are supposed to be running this universe. Like the world is supposed to spin around us. Our thoughts and prayers are useless. Look at our thoughts and prayers aren't to get what we want aren't to change the free will of humanity to steal the great gift that God has given us. Our thoughts and prayers are meant to put God at the center of our life where we can know peace and contentment again. I think the solution is to start hanging around with the right people, start listening to the right people, people who will encourage us and breathe life into us instead of filling our minds with the junk of people who are simply trying to destroy us. Where is your God? Where is your God? Why do I want the darkness of that person's life when I can have the light of Jesus Christ in my life? Why do you? And by the way, that's the point of gathering like this. A lot of people think gathering in church is like this big duty thing. Look, at if you're here out of duty, you're here for the wrong reason. We come because we live in a world that's constantly telling us there is no God and we want to be with people who've experienced the power of that living God and when we are, we start experiencing hope again. That's why we're here and I'm thrilled that you are. Verse 4, he says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. You know, I mean, this brokenness that I'm pouring out. I remember how I used to go to the house of God when I could, but now I'm shut away from it. I was under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festival throng. I remember the good times of worship, the good times of the world. I remember when the world was different, and it's important when the world goes mad and our world changes to remember God like he's doing too. Remember the importance of him being at the center of our lives and the reality of life when he was at the center and the reality of our losses when he hasn't been. But, but too often, we remember what we've lost in life rather than God. He's remembering what he's lost in not being able to go to the temple and not having his traditions fulfilled. Even though God's right there present with him, he's all messed up because he can't live in the world like he used to live in the world. And we do that. We, we focus on the things we've lost rather than the God who, who helps us to experience true life. And here's the problem. We have the wrong things at the center of our lives and it leads to despair. And that's exactly where the psalmist was. Look what he says in verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. He's talking to himself. This is like, this is World War Me right here. I don't get it. I mean, I'm, I'm allowing this world to mess me up. I'm allowing people who don't know my God to get me to the place where I'm not experiencing my God. Why, why am I so depressed? Why am I in despair? Why so disturbed? And he's talking to himself. Put your hope in God's self. 
For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You need to know, this is so important, despair is not a companion of hope. It's the opposite. Grief can be experienced with hope. The true reality of loss and hurt and brokenness and regret, I mean, it really can be experienced with hope, but despair can't be experienced with hope because despair is hopelessness. The psalmist asked the question because it doesn't make sense for someone who genuinely knows God to be filled with despair. It doesn't make sense, but there is a solution. Verse 6, my soul is downcast within me. It's true. I mean, I have this sense of despair, but here's the solution. I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. He was going, look, I'm living in despair because I'm separated from the temple, because my life has changed. The things I love have no longer in my experience. This world's messed up. I'm in the upside down world, and so I'm living in despair. But here's what I can do. I can experience God where I am today instead of living in despair for not being where I was yesterday. He says, I know I'm not near the temple. I'm in Jordan now. He's way north, right? He's separated for some reason from Jerusalem, and and so he's saying, but, but here's what I need to remember. Yes, the world is upside down, but God is still here. And I want, can I just look you all in the eye just for a second and say, I know the world's messed up. I get it. But God is still here. He's present. The psalmist gives us the solution to despair no matter where we are or what our circumstances. We need to, we need to look to Jesus. We need to remember him. Sadly, it's failing to remember him that keeps so many of us from experiencing his fullness in the present, which is exactly where the psalmist goes. Look at verse 7. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and all your breakers have swept over me. He's saying deep calls to deep. He's speaking about how there's no relief from the difficulties of life. There's no break. They just keep sweeping over him like a waterfall. They keep sweeping over him like waves out of control. It was like there was no escape. It was drowning him. He was in despair. And I don't know if you noticed his words, but it seemed to him like God was the one sending the waterfall. Your waves. But then in verse 8, he says, by day the Lord directs his love. That's not the waterfall. At night his song is with me. That's not the the waves being consuming my life. The, the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. So I, I pray to the God of my life. And in a moment we'll see his prayer. But you just need to know all the mess in this world didn't turn him away from God, but toward him. It didn't cause him to push God outside of his life, but it caused him to work even harder at putting God at the center. During the day and during the night when when weeping was his experience, he still wanted to put God at the center. And you need to know that in day and in night, God needs to be at the center of our lives. Directing our thoughts and our actions and our desires, prayer needs to be our response to all of this. Don't listen to the people who say your thoughts and prayers are useless because they are not. Your thoughts and prayers won't get you what you want in this world, but what you want in this world will only be gotten when you have God at your center, and that's what your thoughts and prayers will do. Put him where he belongs, 
at the center of your life. God needs to be at the center. Prayer needs to be a part. And when he is at the center, this messed up world doesn't mess us up too. Verses 9 and 10 is his prayer. And this is, a, this is an unbelievable prayer. I say to God, my rock, and you get the, the metaphor of a rock. You're, you're my stability. You're my foundation. You're the thing I can stand on. And so he's saying, you're everything to me. But then he goes, I say to God, my rock, who's my everything, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? His prayer here is crazy good because it's not sanitized, it's not manufactured, it's not denial, it's honest. But it's shared with God, it's not shouted at him. And he's basically saying, I know you care, but it just doesn't feel like it. I know you're here, but it just doesn't feel like it. I know you're in control, but it just doesn't make sense to me in light of, of what's happening. That's a good prayer. But too many of us go to God pretending, thinking he doesn't know how we really feel. How does that work in your relationships? I mean, we have to go to him in honesty. Verse 11, then it says, My soul, why are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. As a lot of people have a hard time with music when it's repetitious or stories when they're repetitious or talks like mine when they're repetitious. But here's the truth. There's power in repeating the reality that's at the center of your need. This is a repeat. He's already said it. But you know why he says it again? After all this truth, he's saying, the feeling hasn't changed. I still feel downcast, but my faith hasn't changed either. You're still my rock. That's the right response. Not to pretend you understand everything, not to pretend it feels okay, not to pretend that you like it, but to say, I still trust you. Though the feelings are far from God, faith has kept him at the center and it keeps him holding on to hope. And the question is, how about us? Seriously, how about us? How about you? This is so important. I believe God has specifically chosen this word for us this weekend because you need to know, I didn't pick this psalm post Sutherland Springs. This song was picked a couple of months ago, this psalm. Why for this weekend? I'll tell you why. Because this is what God wants you to hear from him right now. He's present. He's here. And you need to keep him at the center. Remember, remember the problem. The world doesn't lead us to despair. It's, it's living in this messed up world without God at the center of our lives that leads us to despair. Because the truth is when God is at the center of our lives, no matter how discouraging or disturbing our world, there is never a reason for despair. There's only reason in our grief to hope. Great example of this is Paul. And I think it's always good to, to see a person live out a truth, and Paul did with Silas. Look at Acts 16, verses 23 through 25. If you're newer to the Bible, Paul was a great follower of Jesus after he found him 
years and years ago. And Acts 16, verse 23, after they had been severely flogged, they were beaten to a pulp. They were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And so when he received those orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. And you need to know, it wasn't prisons like ours. I've actually been to the jail in Philippi here, and, and it, they didn't have HBO and Showtime available and a nice little fitness center going on. This was a dank, rock, uncomfortable prison, damp, and it was awful experience and they had been beaten to a pulp fully infected stocks on their legs in the innermost cell hopeless and dark and what did they do at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them what I read stories like that and I said there's something off about that dude right it's like something wrong with him but the truth is there's something off about me and something very right on about him you see he had God at the center and so it didn't matter what was going on in this world and how he felt it mattered that God was present and he was going to worship him are you the truth is, we all struggle with this, let's be honest. So the question is now, okay, if God being at the center is the key to me not losing hope, then how do I keep God at the center? Well, let me give you the application the best I can. If, if we're going to experience the fullness of God in our lives, if we're going to keep God at the center in this upside-down world, then we need to put God there. And the way we put God in the center is by coming to Jesus, first of all. You have to come to Jesus. But see, right now, many of us are starting to keep Jesus at a, at a distance. Stuff like happens in Sutherland Springs, and we start going, whoa, 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 whoa. But what we need is the same thing the deer needs, that which is essential to life, and we need to pursue with singular focus God. We need to come to Jesus. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened down, and I'll give you rest. And I believe this is where a lot of us are right now. We just need to come to Jesus. We, we need to come to Jesus. Once we come to Jesus, then the world continually can haunt us and it can still be upside down because other people don't come to Jesus. And so what we have to do if we're going to keep God at the center is we have to keep seeking Jesus with our whole heart. You know, as the deer, with every ounce of its being, pants for the water, so our soul needs to, with every ounce of its being and with singular focus, pant for God. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. As the deer is shaped to seek water, so our hearts are shaped to seek God. That's where fulfillment will be found. That's where life will be found. Can I ask you this week, has God been the center of all your pursuits? Or have you been trying to replace God with things that can't satisfy at the center of your life? Very often our prayers are asking God to give us the things that we want to put at the center of our lives because they think, we think they'll satisfy us, but they won't. He will. We need to be seeking him. If God's going to be at the center, 
then we keep them at the center by thinking on the right things, by thinking on the right things. When we think on the right things, it will lead to the right outcomes. Look at, look at Paul. He says in Philippians 4, 4, and you need to know, he's now writing to the people who had come to faith in the time that he was in prison in Philippi. And, but he's in prison in another place now, and he's writing to them. And you know, in prison, he writes to them, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, Philippians 4, 4. What? He's singing again. He's acting off again because God is at the center of his life. Look at how he says it. It stems from his thoughts. Philippians 4.8. He says, finally, brothers, you want to rejoice? Even in this messed up world, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is going to be excellent or praiseworthy, then think about these things. We need to shut off CNN and Fox News and turn on Jesus for a little while in our life. That's what we need to do. I mean, how can you watch them 24-7, 24-7, talk about redundancy, saying, where is your God? What good are your thoughts and prayers? Look what happens to people who worship. Why don't you turn them off and turn on some worship music? Because that will then lead you to God. I do this. I put on my AirPods, and I shut out the world, and I'll turn on worship music when I'm just feeling despair. And it starts filling me with the thought that God is present and God is good. It's just, you need to do it. Think the right thoughts. Think the right thoughts. The world's not going to hell. The world's been hell ever since man rejected God. But we can live in the light of Jesus in the midst of the darkness of this hell, but we have to think on the right things, are you? we're going to think on the right things, we should open our Bible once in a while. Well, we come to church and you open the Bible. That's really great. And I'm glad we do. But you should open the Bible once in a while. Fill your mind with the right things. If we're going to ultimately keep God at the center of our lives, then then we have to faithfully gather with God's people. I've already said, I love that the psalmist here is saying, I wish I could be with God's people in Jerusalem. I wish I could. I can find God where I'm at, but I wish I could be with them. And I, I wish more of us would stop pushing away and we'd start pulling close. Because I need your encouragement. I'm, I'm sorry, I need your encouragement. Everywhere I go, I'm hearing, where is your God? But here I get to hear us worship the God who's present. We need it. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let's consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as the world gets crappier and crappier, you know, as the, you see the day of darkness approaching. No matter how you feel, you need to get with God's people. We should be afraid of not being with God's people more than anything else. If we're going to keep God at the center, then we have to, and this is an important one, we have to honestly face reality without letting go of hope. And I don't know, I, I watch religious people all the time, and you might say, you're a pastor, you're religious. No, I'm not. I'm sorry, I, I'm not religious. Religion's about liturgies and traditions that you can have without God. I'm about a relationship with God really walking with him and knowing him. 
But the problem with religion is often that we either ignore the realities of this world so we can embrace hope or we lose our hope because we're looking at the realities of this world, but you can do both. Face the reality and let, and without letting go of hope. That's what the psalmist was doing. I'm just gonna keep hoping in you, God, even in the midst of this hopelessness. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. You know, the, the people die. We're all going to. But I don't want you to be informed about it because I don't want you to grieve like the rest of mankind who grieve with no hope. Look at bad things happen. The world's tragic. We're going to be caught in the, in the current of the tragic. We're going to have days and nights where we're weeping. There's no doubt about it. Life isn't always good. Life isn't always great. Life can really be difficult at times. It is absolutely true. But we don't have to grieve without hope because in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, God is there. If we'll have him at the center, he'll walk with us through it, no matter what our experience. We have to face the reality without letting go of hope. If you're experiencing despair right now, and I bet many of us are, I'm just telling you, it's because at the center of your life, are the things that don't solve the despair problem. And all you need to do is you need to just put God back at the center. And if you've never come to him, then put God at the center for the first time. Because when he's at the center, that's when this messed up world can be understood as to why it's so messed up. But in this upside down world, we can live right side up but we have to put them at the center. And so I, I want to encourage you, come to Jesus. Seek him with all your heart. Pant for him like the deer does the water and experience what he can do in your life. Would you, just before I end the talk, would you pray with me? And as we bow in prayer, I just really want to encourage you to, to come to Jesus and commit to seeking him at the center of your being. If you're already a believer, you know what you're doing with that. But if you've never, ever put him at the center, would you pray with me and make my words yours in this moment? Just in your heart, just say, Jesus, I, I want you to be at the center of my life. I'm coming to you right now weary and burdened because I need rest. I know that I'm guilty and I've sinned and that I don't deserve you, but you died on the cross for my sin and rose again to give me new life. I believe it. And I'm asking you to save me. And I'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just before we go, if you could just, just one moment. If you're here and you prayed with me, let us know, would you? We want to give you a Bible. We want to give you a letter about next steps you can take, but just tell us. In the program, there's a connection card. You can just take it out and rip it out and check off the place where you prayed with me and put it in one of the boxes at all of our exits. There's a box. Put it in there, and we'll send you that Bible and that information. If you're watching online, hit the What Next button. We'll do the same thing for you. I believe God's working on a lot of your lives right now, and we have a prayer team that meets up front. And if you'd like to talk to someone or pray with someone, why don't you come forward when everyone else is leaving and let God do a work in your life.
And finally, as you walk out of here this weekend, here's my, here's my encouragement. Stop thinking this messed up world is your problem. And start understanding that God not being at the center is your problem. And if you leave here with God at the center, I'm telling you, life will be different. If you keep him at the center, life will be different. It's my prayer. We all will. So glad you were here. See you next time.